Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today we have on uh, amazing investor Pace Morby from Phoenix. Pace, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciate you having me here. Absolutely. For those people who don't know Pace, Pace isn't from the Fresno area, but he recently visited back at the beginning of 2020. Uh, Pace has multiple businesses in the real estate industry. He's got podcasts, shows, and ways to reach out for education. Um, Pace, if you don't mind, can you tell people a little bit about kind of who you are and what you're doing right now? Sure. Um, so my experience is basically the last uh, 12 years, I was a large general contractor. Ultimately, my claim to fame as being a contractor was not how many houses and how many renovations we did, but you know, close to 7,000 renovations. But we ended up being the main contractor for Open Door, OfferPad, and Zillow when they first started out. And um, so I helped them set up uh, locations in Phoenix, locations in Dallas, locations in, in Vegas. And then ultimately, I broke into just investing on my own and realized that having 200 people in a, in a construction company with general liability and workman's comp issues and those types of things was just really not that fun. In um, my last year in being a contractor, I took home a million dollars. And the uh, well, I, I was going to take home a million dollars, like take home, take home after taxes, everything. And then I had somebody steal a million dollars from me my last year in business. And I decided it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it forced me to realize that I had, I should have made the transition years before. And, um, I was already, here's the funny thing is in back in 2016, I had bought a Homebesters franchise. You guys know what Homebesters is? Uh-huh. So we buy ugly houses, right? So I bought a franchise. I was working that doing probably 40 to 50 real estate transactions a year on my own. And then also running a construction company in four different States. So I was already working my guts out and doing as much as I could. But if I would have just quit what I was doing with my construction company, I could have been doing a hundred transactions a year in my real estate business. And it's an embarrassing thing that I even wanted to hold on to that old, the old way of thinking like, you know, anything is cool besides real estate. So um, anytime, in fact, anytime somebody tells me they're doing something besides real estate, I'm like, man, I feel so bad for you. Like you haven't figured out that the only job that anybody really should be doing is something tied to real estate. So um, I made the transition in um, 2016, 2017, made that transition full time. And uh, we are currently, we, so just in September, just to give you kind of a snapshot of my business. Yeah. In September, we did 14 wholesale transactions, um, probably about 170 to $180,000 in revenue in that vertical. We bought seven rentals in September, bought all long-term buy and hold. None of them, all of them through creative finance. We don't go out and get loans for anything we buy. Um, and then we did a few fix and flips. We currently have nine fix and flips under um, construction right now. So we kind of run the whole gamut on all of those things. We own a property management company. We own a title company. We own a virtual assistant cold calling company. We have about 200 employees there. Um, we own a CRM company. And um, I own a company called batchdriven.com. And I could go on and on and on. But ultimately, we make the majority of our money through our real estate endeavors. And it's also where I save all my money with my tax depreciation and all that kind of stuff. So um, we do a lot. I think combined, I have probably close to 300 employees working between all of our companies. And um, we make good money. 
I feel like we have really good investments and we have amazing people that work with us. And um, I'm very, very lucky guy. Yeah. Well, you're a hard worker too. We've known that for a while now. I mean, when you came to Fresno, you're, you said your day had started super, super early in the morning and you were out with us at dinner and drinks after going through and giving, 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 giving all day while you were here. And then you were out until it was almost, you know, one in the morning. And you said that you were going to wake up the next day and have to do it again. So you're, you're a busy guy. It's not all luck, right? No, it's definitely not. I mean, you know, here's the thing is I tell people, and you guys will agree with this, everything that I'm going to say, you guys already agree with. You're, you guys are in the same um, cut of cloth. And I, this is primarily for your audience. Maybe somebody trying to get into real, real estate for the first time, or maybe thinking about buying their first rental property or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but you have people say, Oh, don't work hard, work smart. And my answer to that is you don't deserve to work smart until you do work hard. Um, the, the ability to work smart is what does work smart mean? It means to delegate and to systematize things. But if you don't have anybody to delegate to, and you don't have any you don't have anything to systematize, then you can't work smart. You have to work hard. And when I first started out in construction, I call it hugging toilets. I had to be on my hands and knees, masking off the floor behind a toilet so that the painters could come through and spray through and not get the toilet painted, not the floor painted, all that kind of stuff, but still that they could get behind with their spray gun behind the toilet. So I would have to mask off toilets. And I felt like I was hugging toilets twice a week. This is now early in my early 20s when I was starting my construction company. The dirty work has to get done. Then when you start making a little bit of money and you get a little bit of momentum, then you have the right and you have the ability to start working smart, delegate, systematize, delegate, systematize. But I've never stopped working hard because what I do is I go create a new thing. Mm -hmm. I delegate and systematize it. I then don't go sit on a beach. I go find a new thing to create. Right. Right. So one of the new things we're working on creating right now is we're working on um, a big RV our RV park development. Um, I partnered with a, a guy who's part of a, a pretty large REIT and we're looking at buying and it's like, I wasn't into RV parks a year ago. Right. Yeah. But those opportunities come to you from luck. But the reality is they come to you because you um, worked really hard and now the universe rewards you with um, people coming into your life. Yeah. So Pace, I know when you were in Fresno at the beginning of the, this year, I, I had asked you this question, but I want to ask it again because um, I really liked your answer. I think everyone who's listening would like to hear your answer as well. What, I mean, what's your why? What motivates you to, to work harder and smarter and do all the things that you're doing? You know, everybody's going to have the same standard answer to that. So I'll give you the standard answer, which is, everybody's answer. It's your family, it's your wife, your kids, and all that kind of stuff. That's standard. That's my, my, that's my foundation. But above and beyond that, it's actually fear. Fear is what motivates me. And that's probably not the answer most people want. But I'm fearful that I will not live up to my full abilities that God gave me, the universe gave me, whatever, if I'm not working my guts out. I don't want to get to 55, 65, 75 years old and look back and go, if I would have done this, if I did that, if this happened, blah, 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 blah. So whether it's good or bad, good, bad, or indifferent, my main motivating factor in my why is actually based in fear. I'm afraid that I won't 
reach my highest potential if I don't work my guts out. Yeah. And the reality is the more you work, the more you employ people, the more you impact people's lives, you realize that this is not just a cool thing. This is actually a responsibility. If you were given a high IQ, born into the right families, I'm not saying that I was born into the right family or anything like that, but I was definitely born into better situations than most people, mm -hmm. right? There's people that um, I actually, my, my video editor who would, would be okay with me telling the story, his, his mom got pregnant with him by basically selling her body for meth. So there's people that have absolutely tough upbringings that need people like us to create opportunities and a world that makes it easier for them to catch up to speed. And so it, more than anything, it's a responsibility on my part to say, look, I started out five laps ahead of somebody else. It's my job to turn around and, and tell them, hey, instead of running five laps, why don't you just cut across the field and catch up with me? It's my job to tr try and figure out how to give them a shortcut to get caught up, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're constantly online. You're constantly giving back. One of the things that really blows me away is that you're doing all of this. And I don't think people realize who haven't met you how much you're giving back constantly. I think you, one of the businesses that you failed to mention was you're in the business of helping people grow their business at a high rate. I mean, I think I can say with some authority that from meeting you in person and seeing what you do, you spend a good chunk of your day every day helping people and you constantly are giving back for free and helping those people. So it's really impressive for you to say that. Um, but you actually do it is even more important to me. I mean, how do you even structure your morning routines so that you're in a spot where you can even help those people? Cause you start your day super <laughs> early and I see it every day. And I'm just curious on how that looks for you. You know, it's amazing. You know how much time it takes me to plan my day. Planning my day is the thing. I spend more time planning my day than I do on social media. Right. And then when people actually are with me and they see how little I actually am on social media, I'm just so quick and good at it at this point that it look, if you're from an outside perspective looking in, you're like, dude, this guy is on his social media all the time. But when you're physically with me, you're like, yo, I haven't seen you on your phone this whole like four hours. Like what's going on? I'm very strategic about all of that. I understand when it needs to be done and how quickly I can make like an Instagram story takes me literally 45 seconds. Um, maybe making a post takes a minute, but I, you have to be aware of what content somebody would really want to know. And the reality is I'm running my businesses and all I'm doing is documenting my process. Whereas some people who are influencers, they'll go, what content are we going to shoot today? What this are we going to go? Let's go out to the field and make this video. I'm like, I'm already in the field. Let me just document it. Right. So it's not like I go out of my way to create content. It's just that I document it. So early in the morning between three and three 30, I'll wake up naturally, no alarm, none of that stuff. And I'll spend an hour looking through my calendar, um, answering text messages from the day before emails from the day before requests for things the day before. And then I fill in any empty spots going forward. I end up saying no to so many things on a daily basis because my calendar is a non-negotiable. It's, this is what I'm doing. And now, so for example, let's say um, my brother calls me and says, hey, I want to go to lunch with you on, you know, Friday at 11 o'clock. You know, I'm coming into town. I want to see you. Let's go to lunch. If I have nothing going on at that day, I'll put it in my calendar with a blue color. 
However, if something higher priority comes up, let's say, you know, my wife says, hey, I want you to go to my daughter, to your daughter's dance class at 11 o'clock. I then replace my brother with a red color, meaning non-negotiable, does not move. And then my team also knows don't touch it. If it's red, that means don't touch it. If it's blue, it means it's movable, it's okay. So I look at my calendar, I fill it out with red and blue, red and blue, and then my team from all my different businesses look at my calendar and they don't even have to reach out to me. They go, we know it's red, and if it's red, that means we can call the person who Pace has a blue with and move that appointment to another day. So I set my calendar, I look at it for maybe an hour a day. That's truly how much time I spend on it. Meanwhile, I'm listening to a podcast or I'm doing my self-education because during the day, you guys know this, the day gets ahead of you, dude. Like oh, yeah. sellers call you, buyers call you. <laughs> Things happen all day long. There's no way. And people go, how do you fit it all in? And I go, I find the only time in the day that nobody, it has the balls to bother me because they don't have the balls to wake up at 3.30 in the morning to bother me, right? Wow. So it's my quiet time. It's my time I get to myself. And um, so three I'd say 3 to 3.30, all the way until about five, I am doing my planning, my email answering, my documentation, my uh, you know communication. And then at five o'clock, guess what time it is in Miami? It's eight o'clock, which is when my accountant starts waking up. And so I start taking calls at five o'clock my time and I structured my life so that the people who run the systems in my business are three hours ahead of me so that I can do my systematic work from five to seven in the morning then at seven in the morning now my people are starting to wake up right so i've i've leveraged the u.s time zone structure to my business benefit so i can get way more done in a day so by by the time eight o'clock rolls around and my kid you know seven o'clock rolls around my kids are waking up now i can spend an hour to an hour and a half with my kids and i've accomplished more by that time than anybody will during the rest of their day right, right. so you, unfortunately, people ask me, aren't you tired all the time? Yes, I'm nauseous half of the, my life. I, I, you just get used to it. And it's honestly, I, I, there's no magic answer to this. You're just tired. That's it. So either you have to sacrifice some sleep, you know, two or three hours extra sleep, or you sacrifice what you want. And I chose, I want something, so I'm going to sacrifice the sleep. That's all it comes down to. That's awesome. And I know you mentioned your kids. I mean, anyone who follows you on social media or has met you in person, um, you know, I know your wife and your kids are a huge, huge part of your life. Um, how do you, and I know uh, it was all over your social media too. You guys went uh, on a road trip on the West Coast, but how do you manage that work-life balance with your family and then all uh, of that other stuff? You said you have that about hour, hour and a half with your kids in the morning. Um, but I mean, is it difficult for you sometimes or, or how is that structured for you? I think it, when it comes down to my team, knowing that certain things are non-negotiables, my team knows don't reach out to me between seven and eight, eight o'clock in the morning. And then my team knows not to bother me past seven o'clock at night. Right. So I'm a, I'm basically a three 30 in the morning to seven o'clock at night type of guy. And then when I get home, I'm with my kids for another two to three hours. So I see my kids maybe three to three and a half hours a day. Um, but when I'm with my kids, it's very intentional. We're doing activities. We're act, hanging out. It's never like, where are we going? What do we want to do? Hey, what do you got? What are you guys thinking? You know, it's like everything is planned. Yeah. 
Um, you know, and obviously we have some, some laissez-faire attitude as well. Like we let, you know, caution, we throw caution to the wind a little bit and just go like one day my wife and I go, let's buy an RV and just go travel the West coast for three months. Right. Like, and then my whole, everybody in my company was like, wait, you're leaving for three months. And I go, yep, I'm sure you guys will figure it out. So that was a good test too. Like getting into work-life balance is that you can find yourself too deeply ingrained in your business. So as you start hiring people, they rely on you to make every little decision. So forcing myself to travel a lot more the last couple of years has actually elevated everybody on my team because now it's like pace isn't here. I have to make this decision and I truly have to own this position. So we also use Slack. You guys, I'm sure you guys are aware of yeah, Slack. Yeah, yeah we use yep. it. I, I slack more than I actually text message, if you can believe it. And maybe you guys are the same, right? Yeah, we use slack a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's gangster, dude. So I didn't like it at first, but I made the transition. And now um, every one of our employees is in slack. I, obviously, I'm in the channels I need to be in. And um, I'll get tagged in things that somebody needs specific help on. But it has alleviated a lot of my phone getting blown up all day long and phone calls all day long. So I can focus on the main thing that I'm doing, which is my main, my main job in all of my businesses is to create more opportunities. So for example, we go buy a title company. Now my job is to go find another place that we want to open another branch, right? So now I've got to go raise private capital or I've got to go do whatever. So everything in my business is based on relationships, which requires me to put my phone down, upside down and focus on the person that I'm talking to, right? Mm -hmm. So Slack allows me to do that. My team taking ownership allows me to do that. and I really wish I learned the power of delegation way earlier. I, I think I felt bad. I felt like I wouldn't want somebody telling me what to do all day long. And so I was reluctant and I was like handing things to people with white gloves. Like, could you pre please, pretty, please, pretty, please do this. Oh my gosh. Stop that right now. If they are, the thing is you want to find people who have more of an employee mindset, which is I want security. I want to work for somebody that cares about me. I want to work here for the rest of my life. If you have people like, Hey, I'm here for 18 months. I, I now we just don't even hire them. Yeah. Right? So have you guys experienced anything, anything like that yet? Our team hasn't had much turnover. Um, Kate and I are looking for our first assistant right now. And we've talked about that kind of similar. We want somebody who's going to work hard um, for us. Ha doesn't have the aspiration of going and doing their own thing because of maybe risk aversion or lifestyle but we want somebody who's going to be great. How do you, you've done a really good job. It sounds like of hiring great people that allow you to go on a three month vacation. I mean, what does that look like as a business owner? How do you even do that? Um, so this might be controversial to some women that are listening, but I got to be who I am. If you're looking for an assistant, you want to look for somebody who's already been a mother. Um, in my opinion, and somebody that their kids are now 16, 18 that can kind of take care of themselves. And now the woman is like, I just want to continue to be the mother hen of, but not of my kids, but I want to be the mother hen of your business. They watch out for you. I've got four mother hens working for me right now. They care more about my business than I do. Yeah. And for them, it's all about, I just want to give, 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 and nurture, nurture, nurture. Show me how I can participate and where I can bring value. So for me, we put out an ad and if we get like a 26 year old man for an assistant position, 
dude, I already know what's going to happen. Your testosterone is going to kick in if it hasn't already. And you're going to want to just take over my entire company. It happens all the time, all yeah. the time. Yeah. What we do is we look for people who have already nurtured, raised children. They have the experience. So raising children in my position, in my um, brain is something that a woman should add to her job resume because that's one of the most powerful things you could ever do. Something yeah. that I, I could, I wouldn't be that good at, honestly. Um, in terms of a nurturing role. So right. what you guys really need is if it's an assistant, you need somebody that cares about your business more than you do and has your back and, you know, can come to you and say, um, Hey guys, I, I see this happening. I see that happening. What can I do to help? Right. Yeah. Not, Hey, you should do this or you should do that. It's what can I do to help a nurturing role? Right. And that primarily comes from women who have already have ch had children. That's awesome. Uh, your description describes our property manager who we care greatly for and who takes very good care of us. Love so that. That she's got four kids all between 18 and 21 and yeah. <laughs> we're like her kids to her and she uh, watches out for us. That's really awesome that you kind of already have that in mind. Um, I want to go back for a second. You mentioned your job as the owner is provide more opportunity and you, you gave a few examples. How long did it take you to, for you to realize that that was your job? Way too long, dude. Way too long. I felt like if you, if you read the book Rocket Fuel in like the fourth or fifth chapter, it talks about um, a visionary, which, you know, um, visionary integrator, you guys know the book. Yeah. So the visionary starts getting to a point where as systems and delegations really start happening and, and unfolding, the visionary stops be it stops feeling like they're needed right like you're being put out to pasture is what the book says and honestly i didn't pick up on that until the fifth time i read that book i'm like oh my gosh i'm going through this right now i feel like i need to be in the middle of the business meddling with crap and messing with things and micromanaging and so i just realized i'm going to follow this book and i'm going to go out and all i'm going to do is tell my team I am not going to be in the office. So I have three of three offices. This is one. You guys mm -hmm. saw me transition from one room to the next. Yeah. And then also um, I have two other offices and this is a really big building. I have this many desks of my own. I don't have a desk anywhere. I have nowhere that I can personally sit down and work. Why? Because my job is to not be at a desk. My job is not to be at the office. My job is to be out de uh, developing relationships, raising capital, and um, if needs be, I can go on appointments with, with sellers that are really, really sticky as long as one of my acquisition guys are there to document and make sure that they take it back to the team to train them. But primarily, my job is to, to go out and um, create opportunity. And um, like the book Rocket Fuel says, get the hell out of the way. Yeah. Thanks for referring us that book. We both read it and it, it's changed our business for sure. Yeah, it's good. What, what, what was your guys' biggest takeaway from the book? There's so many, but what, what do you guys feel like was the best, biggest takeaway? Uh, biggest takeaway for us, uh, I mean, we, we had picked up the book. We had talked about uh, partnering and, and building something out together. And I think reading that book both uh, just kind of opened our eyes even more to what we, the mold we kind of fit in the visionary, the VI role. Um, so I think after reading that, our biggest takeaway was, um, you know, I think we're on the right track for, for going 
where we want to go and the responsibilities that we have. Yeah, I mean, the number one thing I see, I'm, I'm older than you guys. You, I'm very jealous that you guys are doing this at the age you're doing it. I, I wish I could put the time machine and be your buddy. Thanks for helping us. Dude, come on. And um, now I look back and I'm like, all my failed business partnerships were because my, the VI role was not specifically laid out. And it was like two integrate, not integrator, but two visionaries linking up together. And they're both trying to do the same exact thing. There's no, it's a mess. And then you start blaming and fighting each other. And so now when I have buddies that are having failed businesses, I don't say anything to them because I don't want to like rub salt in the wound. But I, every time in my back of my, my mind, I'm thinking rocket fuel, rocket fuel, rocket fuel. We just get the book now. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Well, that's really awesome. And, and tell me if I'm wrong. One of the visionaries' roles is team motivation and atmosphere. You're somebody who you said that you're tired like all the time. But I mean, if you are, you're really good at staying upbeat and positive. I mean, like you're smiling right now. And you know that you probably didn't get a lot of sleep last night. How do you not only how do you motivate yourself and others constantly, you've done a great job at doing it. I'm just curious on how that's looked. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like, um, I'm not nauseous all the time um, or like overly tired. I think I was maybe being a little bit dramatic there, but I feel if I sat down and just was like quiet for 30 seconds and I felt my body, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm tired. Yeah. Um, I don't let it like seep into my brain, but I realized that early on, nobody is going to motivate me, right? And you guys know the same thing. Like there's people that inspire you that you want to be like them, but they're not motivating you, right? right. They're not getting in your room and like, all right, get out of cave, get out of bed right now, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I realized that um, business owners are very unique because we are self-motivators, or at least the ones that are very um, um, successful, they're self-motivated. Maybe it's because they have a passion or they, they have a drive that other people don't have. But then in that same responsibility, I realized that most other people, 99% of people, don't know what that feels like to be able to motivate themselves, right? And I would complain about it all the time. I'd be like, man, why am I always coming in here and freaking motivating you guys and blah, 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 blah. And then I realized my role is that the universe, God, Buddha, whoever it is that you want to say, gave me a personality type that allowed me to motivate and help other people change their lives. So I now take it like every Wednesday, I go into my team meetings um, and that's what we primarily go over. We go over goals and how'd you do and you know, like right now I came up with a challenge for my team called the 990 challenge. And I know that like my acquisition manager and my disposition manager are really into golf right now. So I said, if you do the 990 challenge, you can go out and pick out any set of golf clubs you want that bag, putter, driver, woods, irons, everything you want. We'll get it. We'll get you decked out. I'll pay for that. All you have to do is the 990 challenge, which is a 90 day challenge. Then I'm always, I'm always taking them to um, like, I'll bring my team to masterminds I'm part of that are like $50,000 a year masterminds so mm -hmm. that I can show my team like, Hey, at some point, two years, three years down the road, after being involved in my business, like this is a higher level that you need to get to. Now, some people will tell me, like I have buddies that are like, don't, you don't show your employees that type of the world, right? You don't show your employees what's possible because if you show them what's possible, then they'll leave you. 
right? But there, what was that old that old phrase that said something like, "What do we do? Um, what do we do about people that leave us?" Or what if we train our people and then they leave us? And then the response to the other partner was, what if we don't train them and they don't leave us? Right. And so I just realized that it's part of my, my job to motivate people. And ultimately the people who want to stick around, they come to me like Tino, my acquisition manager made 22 grand last month. So he was a nurse before that making like 80 grand a year. Now he works four days a week and half day Fridays and makes $22,000 a month, I think he's on the right track. Yeah. If he decides he wants to go build his own business, have fun, right? But what we do is we, we um, document everything, everything through trainual.com. So every meeting, everything is chronologically updated. So if, I, if Tino, let's say, gets abducted by aliens and he's no longer on the planet Earth, I can quickly replace Tino with somebody else and, and say, here's the training. I don't need to be involved. Watch this training, come back and ask questions. Watch this training, come back and watch questions. Um, and so I just realized I can't be fearful of people leaving me. Yeah. I, need to, I need to motivate them to be better and, and stronger so that they can lead the team themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I, I wanna shift the topic a little bit back to you personally. You mentioned masterminds. Um, it, and I'm curious, what are the biggest things for you in, or, in order to further your education and your goals that you have set personally? I mean, what, what are some of the big things that help you do that for yourself? Um, you know, I, I think being around people that have the same goal, like there's a lot of influencers. You guys will run into this as your guys' podcast gets stronger and more popular. You'll get, you'll start rubbing network or you'll start rubbing shoulders and elbows with people that um, are in different circles. When you get into that world, I would say about 70% of influencers actually don't care about who they're teaching. They don't care about um, making a true impact, right? Like they care about how many swipes I get, how many this I get, how many likes I get, how many this, how does that equate to viewership? And I couldn't, like, I don't look at that stuff at all. What my goal is on a daily basis is, how many people did I help? So um, like right now I'm doing this thing again, the 990 challenge. And one of my nine activities I'm supposed to do for 90 days, that's the 990 challenge, mm -hmm. is to help one person a day I've never spoken to before. And so I've been giving, I was like, oh, screw that. I want to do two. So I've been doing at uh, six o'clock in the morning, I've been doing two 30 minute one-on-one -on -one Zooms with people that want to learn creative financing, but can't afford to work with a mentor or whatever else. And I'm just giving them 30 minutes of bring me your deals, bring me your sellers, bring me your whatever, and I will help you solve whatever problem. So the answer to the question is, I need to be around people just like that. I need to be around people that look at the person first and treat them as if it was yourself in that position, trying to come up in the ranks and trying to you know, get into real estate and all that kind of stuff. And if I find people, or if I'm in a mastermind, that the vibe is all about influence and the vibe is all about power and control. I find, I find that I just need to get out of there within 14 seconds. It's yeah. just bad people with bad intentions and I just need to be away from them. So I get invited to masterminds all the time, as you guys can imagine, and you guys will run yeah. into that as well. I'm only part of two and they're one of the name of the masterminds that I'm part of is called the go giver mastermind. It's like, <laughs> right. So like for me, 
those are the things that motivate me. And I realized a long time ago, and you guys have heard this and you know this, the more people you help, the more money you'll make. It sounds so effing cliche that you're like, I almost don't believe that. And honestly, the more people you help for free, the more money you'll make as well. That's the freaking weird thing. Yeah. It's crazy. And so for us, um, I was given ownership in a title company or at least an opportunity to be an owner of a title company because I helped somebody two years prior that said something nice about me to one person that then said something nice about me to the owner of a title company. That guy called me up and said, I've heard great things. I want to sit down and have a conversation. So it's those types of things that come about because you help somebody for free and you didn't take advantage of them. Yeah, that's crazy. How long ago did you read that book, The Go-Giver? Oh, The Go-Giver. Somebody gave it to me four years ago, but I like when I read it, um, or three years ago maybe, um, when I read it, I realized I was already doing that stuff, but I didn't quite understand how to monetize on it. I just was doing it because it's my nature. I'm a Pisces. And so my nature is your problems are my problems. And that's a Pisces like disease, or maybe it's just me and I call it a Pisces if you guys believe in that stuff or not. But I actually have a, my disease is that I'm an empath to like a 10th degree. So if you have a problem, I will read your problem and I will make that problem my own until that problem is solved. And so when the go-giver came, you know, when the go-giver came out and somebody read that book, they're like, dude, this is you. You got to read this. I realized by reading The Go-Giver, not that I should be giving more because that was already a thing. I read that I, was, I had a problem. I wasn't figuring out how to monetize on it and I didn't quite understand it. And I was just letting people take advantage of me because I was attracting people who basically will take advantage of a, a, a giving um, world. So The Go-Giver is great, but it, you got to tie it back in also to the Bible where the Bible talks about don't cast your pearl before swine. Meaning don't give your gifts, don't give your, your talents, don't give your skills to people who are undeserving, which means the snakes in the grass, the people who are going to take something from you and, and steal. Like the guy who basically stole a million dollars from me for yeah. four years, I was funding his projects. He turned around and filed bankruptcy on me and I lost a million bucks. Right. He had no intention of ever paying me back. Right. So Anyway, the go-giver is such an amazing thing. I love the fact that I'm in the mentorship, the go-giver mentorship, and the book is everything. Like, if you haven't read the go-giver and then read the red rocket fuel, <laughs> you're missing out on some key elements of life, yeah. right, guys? Yeah. yeah, we read both of those books this year, and it's been pretty transformative of our business, and anybody who's kind of watched us in the last year probably will see, and we met you in the last year, and you were somebody that's also influenced us on how to think bigger and do bigger. Um, you brought up earlier that you have incentivized your employees by doing things that they like, right? Like the golf clubs and things of that sort, um, showing them where they can be, giving them good pay, teaching them things. Um, what do you do for yourself? I mean, you've got a lot of goals. You do a lot of different things. How do you, uh, motivate yourself and how do you reward yourself? And how do you, uh, keep your head up when you maybe don't reach a goal? That's something that I've had a lot of issues with. I have not thought about that second question in a long time. It's not that I reach every single goal I have. I think I'm okay with just them. You know, it's like 80% of goals don't happen. It's the other 20, but that I actually care about. 
Um, and I have a goal. I have my goals here on my notes app and I update my goals every 30 days, um, which is super interesting. It's funny to like go in there and change your goals every 30 days because you uh -huh. realize like they're popping off. But sometimes they change. Like one of my goals was very specific. Let's see. So last time I updated this was 823. So I'm overdue. I'm a month overdue, I think. Um, so this is goals to hit by 2021. And I have a quote at the very top of this one, just notes app in iPhone. My quote says, it's not who you, it's not who you think you are that holds you back. It's who you think you're not. And so for me, it's always a constant reminder that um, I can wear anything I want. I can say anything I want. I can have a beard. I cannot have a beard. I can drive whatever car I want. I can change the way I speak. I can change everything in my life at the drop of a, of a, of a, a pin. And I don't care what anybody thinks of me. What I did is in my 20s, I was like, oh, well, what would people think about me? And what would people think about me? And I held myself back so much. And then I realized that most of the people I was fearful of, like what they thought, I realized those people were never going to help me out in my journey anyway. And so I stopped caring. And ultimately, when I fail on a goal, it's not because I failed. It's because I blew past the goal and the goal just ultimately changed. So. For example, that like a really stupid one. I had a goal where I was like, I want to buy a house on Mesa Country Club where my house backs to the back of Mesa Country Club. I can watch, walk through my backyard onto the golf course late at night with my kids and my wife. And like, that's a personal goal of mine, right? So I ended up not buying a house on Mesa Country Club. We bought a house up in the mountains and I'm like, I actually prefer this more, right? So I just, I think I just maybe figure out how to enjoy the goals that I do reach rather than the goals I didn't reach is maybe what I'm trying to say. Hmm. Um, but the, the first part of that is like, how do I motivate myself? What are the things I care about? Best quote of all time, in my personal opinion, was by Kanye West. Okay. And I, I brought this up in Fresno. It's like one of the slides I use. And it was a story about Dave Chappelle. Did you guys ever hear the story? We heard it when you were in Fresno. Okay, you guys heard it. Okay, so <laughs> essentially, um, Dave Chappelle goes on Jimmy Kimmel, and he starts telling this story about hanging out with Kanye West back when the Chappelle show had just started. And they're hanging out in the studio. Kanye still hadn't be become Kanye. And Chappelle was just watching Kanye in the studio. Mind you, like, they're both kind of coming up, right? Mm -hmm. but Chappelle noticed something special about Kanye, just the way he moved, the way he talked, the confidence he had, like utter, like absolute and utter belief in himself. And he gets a, Kanye gets a phone call, Chappelle's sitting behind him, just kind of watching his back. He gets a phone call and Kanye is like, yeah, uh, nope, nope. Because my life is dope and I do dope shit and then hangs up on the person. And I'm like, wait, what was that quote again? His quote was, he told somebody no to like some low level, you know, request. And he said, I'm not going to do that because my life is dope and I do dope shit. And I was like, what if I could say that every day of my life, like doing dope shit, right? Like I'm going to travel the country with my buddy Jamil and we're going to go help people get into real estate. I, I didn't sell a product from the stage. We didn't sell anything. We just truly flew in there on our own dime and the ability to not, e not only just afford to go there, but not even think about the money it costs. We, we do that 30, 40 times a year. How much do you think I spend in travel? A hundred grand? We probably spend a hundred grand in nice hotels, nice food, nice rental cars, hanging out, 
taking our family, like we're going to New York in three weeks for a yeah. week. Mm -hmm. Jamil and I are going to do New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. I'm bringing my whole family. We're putting them up in a loft on Central Park. That's what I want to do with my life. I want to do the things that nobody else is doing. And then as I realize, and I, I get higher and higher in my goals, I realize, holy crap, there's a lot of people doing this. I just wasn't in their circle of influence until now. So I want, to, I want my goals on that app next year to either all be erased because I was embarrassed by how small they were or to be erased because I achieved them. And that's ultimately what my main motivation is. That's awesome. That's so cool. I know um, Scott and I are super, super appreciative of you taking your time to, to come on our podcast uh, and talk to us about all this stuff. Um, for all of the young entrepreneurs that, you know, take a listen to our podcast um, and everybody who's going to be tuning in, what kind of last piece of advice would you leave for our listeners? Okay. So everything in my life comes down to two things. Okay. This is also where my, my logo comes from is there's two places. This logo comes from is number one. I'm obviously the subject two guy. I'm the creative finance guy. Everybody knows me as the subject two guy, even though yeah. it's not spelled T W O it's spelled T O I get it, whatever. It's, it's <laughs> but the, the, where this logo also comes from is I tell people that um, success comes down to two things in my, in my mind. Number one, consistency. Whatever it is you choose to do, you have to be consistent doing it. And then number two is duality, which is you're never going to hear people talk about duality. Okay. What does duality mean? It means always doing two or more things at the same exact time. So, um, you know, right now we're on, you guys are doing a podcast. So obviously maybe you're getting educated from somebody who has gray in their beard, a little bit more um, life experience. That's Absolutely. one. And two, you guys are giving back to a community. So it's the, you're, you're living the law of duality. You're always doing two things at the same time. What I see people do is they get themselves into this world of like, I'm going to time block and I'm going to do one thing at a time, one thing at a time, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. And I've got, I'll probably create a YouTube video about this to get really specific on literally everything I do. Even when I go on a date with my wife, I'm living the law of duality. Why is that and how is that? Well, my wife is my real estate agent. So what happens is we talk business, we talk about listings, we talk about this, that, and the other, and then we turn that off and we turn it into a, 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 um, a personal conversation. But I go to dinner with both my business partner and my wife at the exact same time. So living the law of duality and then also being consistent in whatever you're doing. So really interesting conversation, and I know you're, you wanna wrap this up, Interesting conversations that I have on a daily basis when I'm helping people and I do these like random one-on-one -on -one things, right? So I announced in my creative finance Facebook group last week, I said, hey guys, I'm going to give away one one-on-one -on -one, um, call a day for the next 90 days. Come to Sunday service and I'll announce this week's winners. I realized we had like, I don't know, 400 people show up for the live show or something like that. It was Sunday yeah. late at night. Yeah. I realized like, okay, I got to do, I got to do more because I got to give away 14 this week and then do 14 the week after and blah, 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 blah. Dude, I'm telling you the consistent conversation every single time with people that are new and trying to get into business is always coming down to these, this one thing followed by that one thing. They're not consistent in anything they're doing anything. Yeah. 
you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be utter like military mindset of like you do it or you die. But they are, they're so inconsistent. It's like they choose to drive for dollars or cold call or, you know, whatever the medium is in terms of marketing or going to the gym. They go there one time a week and then they convince themselves like I'm working so hard and they let the world take them, take over with, you know, you know, all the things that take over your day. I'm working hard. I don't know why I can't figure this out. I'm like, okay, well tell me what are, what's your main marketing mechanism? Uh, driving for dollars. Perfect. How many days in a row have you driven for dollars in the last week? And don't bullshit me. How many days in, in the last week have you driven for dollars? Uh, probably two. Okay. This conversation's over because if you, if, if you still haven't figured out consistency, then there, I can't do much to help you. I can give you advice just like you guys, you guys, if I already know you guys have people reaching out to you, but as you guys, your podcast gets more and more popular, you're going to get so many people saying, help me, help me, help me. I need my first deal. Help me, help me, help me. And you're going to ask them a couple questions and realize, dude, are you kidding me? You just want, you just want to pick up these little peanuts of information, but you're not doing anything with it. So consistency and duality are the two things I would have told myself if I went back to myself at the age of 21, when I got home from my, I was a Mormon missionary. I got home from Korea. If I could tell myself anything, it would have been right when I got off the plane from Korea and said, choose something and be consistent. Choose something and do two things at the same time. Always have two purposes for every meeting you're, you're going to, for every conversation you're having, every activity you're doing. Always be you cleaning the garage, listening to music. No, you clean the garage and you listen to an audiobook. You clean the garage and you listen to a podcast. The law of duality. You need to be doing two things at the same time. Never, ever, ever just do one thing at the same time. Dude, I don't think I've ever heard of duality. Have you? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's awesome. Well, because it, it, it basically creates, it takes a, you know, work, what's an average work day for me is let's say my average work day is 14 hours, something like that, 12 to 14 hours. It takes that 12 to 14 hours and turns it into an average person's 24 to 40, you know, 24 to 28 hours yeah. of compounded efforts. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh. Yeah. Well, it makes sense how you're running so many businesses and your success is overwhelming and your, your mentality of giving back has definitely left an impact, not only on the people that we know, but the entire Fresno area. I mean, you're kind of a legend, you and Jamil. I mean, we bring up your guys' name and everybody knows who you are, what you guys are about. So you really stood out. So we're so happy that you came on. Uh, Dude, Fresno, Fresno was like our favorite. Literally, we've been traveling around doing this cool stuff for like a year, little over a year and a half. And Fresno still to this day is our favorite stop. Well, if you ever come back, we are more than pumped to show you around the little things that we're doing <laughs> and get your opinion because we're super pumped and like we told you off camera, you've been somebody we've wanted to have on the podcast since day one and season one. So here we are, uh, season two, episode four, and uh, we're super grateful. And we're definitely going to ask you to come back on down the road. Of course. And, and Scott, hey, here's, here's, my, here's my thought. If you guys ever want other guests like Steve Trang, Brent Daniels, Jamil Damji, any of my friends that are doing big things, Jamil, Jamil is doing 100 real estate transactions a month right now. A month. A hundred that like working on a working day. That's four deals a day they're doing on a working day. So 
unbelievable. He'd be a great guest. Um, yeah. Brent Daniels, Steve Trang, all those guys. Just let me know when you guys want them, and I'll put you in touch with them. Dude, awesome. we appreciate. We that. really appreciate that, and we appreciate you giving us an hour of your time. It's worth more than we could ever pay. So thank you. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, when you guys come out to Phoenix, hit, hit me up, and uh, let's go to lunch. I'll make you buy me some Chipotle, and you'll pay me back. <laughs> you got it. We'll pay for Chipotle any day. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate you a lot. No, thank you, Pace. Have a great rest of your day. Good luck, and thanks so much. Thank you. See ya.